This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. So, it's nice having East and West faces all mingling together today. And uh, it's been good to worship together as we have been. Uh, If I've not met you before, my name is Tim, and uh, what we're doing today, as Martin said, is uh, we're going to go back into worship and communion a little later. And the whole uh, mini-series that we've been doing last week, we looked at when we gather to worship, and this week we're looking at when we gather to share communion. I don't know what's in your thoughts when you turn up You arrive here on days when you see these tables at the front laden with bread and wine, if you even notice. I don't know if that makes a difference to you when you turn up on a Sunday and you look and you think, oh, uh, about communion. Uh, What's in your thoughts? But do you know something? I believe that God wants to put in our hearts a longing to have opportunities to do what we're going to do today. And there's, there's something of a longing in the heart of Christ to, uh, as there was in that first, what we call the Last Supper, when he said, I, I've longed to do this with you, that he still does today. And the wonderful thing is how Marion shared in the worship how he is our friend and we're going to, I just want to share with us, so it's going to be shorter than a, a normal preach would be, just for about 20 minutes, uh, five elements that we read about in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 about what communion is all about when we come and take communion. And then we're going to take communion and we're going to share the bread and the wine together. And in those five elements, I, I just believe that, uh, for me anyway, in preparing for this, I've just gained a fresh appreciation of what it's all about. And I trust for all of us, even if, like me, you've been a Christian for decades, and you countless times you've you've experienced the sharing of the bread and wine uh, in a church context, um, there's always more, isn't there? Always fresh revelation, fresh appreciation, fresh reminders of what it's all about. And that's really what I I believe is in God's heart for us today. The first of those aspects that we read about in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 to 17, is participation. Let me read you the two verses that include this particular word. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. In fact, with verse 16, the New King James Version says this. It uses the very word that we use for celebrating this particular occasion. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, 
Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And this meal, this simple celebration, uh, in different settings, different churches can be called different things, all which are fine, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread, the Eucharist, which simply means thanksgiving. Um, But for us, we commonly use the word communion. And I've gained a fresh appreciation of that word communion, participation in. It is actually from the root of the word, the Greek word koinonia. It's the same word that is used in Acts 2 when it talks about the early church in Jerusalem when they devoted themselves to different things, the apostles' teaching, um, to breaking bread, and to fellowship. And that word to fellowship, koinonia. It's participation in, it's sharing in the life of Christ together. And uh, what uh, the word participation in, sharing this, it's a fellowshipping in, it's a sharing in, it's a participation in what Jesus has done for us. It's the same word used uh, with the blessing at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, where it says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship koinonia of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We are called to participate, to be involved in the life of the Holy Spirit as Christians in our everyday living. And taking communion is a participation in what Jesus has done for us. Not just in terms of taking bread and wine, but it's also a participation in, with Jesus himself, which is why I was thrilled with Marion's contribution in the worship, because actually, when we're taking the bread and wine, we are with the very Christ who died for us that we are celebrating. We are with the very Jesus whose body was broken for us and whose blood was shed, and we are his friends and we are fellowshipping. We are koinonia-ing with him, if you understand. We are particip- participating with him, sharing with him. When we take communion, one of the reasons that Jesus longs for such times is because we are again communing with him as we take the bread and wine. Do you get the essence of what it's on about? But not only... Is it that we're doing that for ourselves, but we're also doing it together? You see, there is a koinonia, there's a participation that we're doing corporately. Now, you can listen to the downloads of any of our preachers or anybody else's from around the world on your own. You can even worship on your own, even though it's wonderful to do it together. You can get all sorts of videos and YouTubes and, uh, and soundtracks and so on uh, of worship from all over the world. But you can only take communion when you're with others in the body of Christ. It's something particular and special. And so not only are we in koinonia with Christ as we share the bread and wine, but we're in koinonia with one another. We are participating in the taking of the bread and wine together. And that is something really precious. As we read in these verses, though we are many, we are one. Because Jesus' body was broken for us, we who were many have now been made one. There's a fellowship together. One of my favorite bits of when we share communion, the way we do these days is when we all just stand and we come row after row to collect the bread and wine together. 
And you just look as people come past and you think, we are so different. Ethnically, age-wise, background, education and everything else. We are so different. And yet because of this, we are one. And we have so much more together than we have that isn't. Because of Christ, because of his death for us. So it is a participation. We're involved with him. We're involved in the fact that he actually gave his life for us. And our identity is now in him. We have a deep involvement in Christ and what he's done. And we're celebrating it together. This wouldn't have been possible. The life that we have in Christ wouldn't have been possible apart from his death on the cross. There's a real participation. Have we got that one? And so it goes on then. So when we share the bread and wine, we we are participating with God and with one another in what he has done for us. And then in addition to that, it's a remembrance. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, Paul teaches about communion. And he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the, cup, he, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup of the new covenant in my, is the, uh, sorry, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, when Jesus shared his last supper with his disciples, they were eating a Passover meal. This was eaten together and had been for hundreds of years to remember that when they, as the people of God, were slaves in Egypt, when a lamb was slain, when blood from the lamb was put on the outside of the doorposts and the lintels of their houses, so that when the angel of death passed over, everybody in the house would be safe. And they were able to escape from their oppression and anticipate their arrival in the promised land. And their participation in the meal, the way the whole meal was constructed, and the actual ingredients of the meal itself, were to enable them, each time they took it, to reenact the events that had taken place hundreds of years before. The remembrance of what happened was a reenactment every time they took the Passover meal. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, it's more than, oh yes, Jesus, I remember you died for me. It becomes a reenactment of the very events that took place that led Jesus to die for us. Because it was the same as happened. See, Jesus now gave new meaning. And indeed the fulfillment of what the Passover foreshadowed. So when we share communion together, we give thanks for the deliverance from sin and its bondage that we've received because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God, was sacrificed once and for all for us. And we therefore have been delivered from the bondage of sin and set free. 
And when the Old Testament people of God shared the Passover meal, it was as if they were reenacting the story, and we now are doing the same when we take communion. That's what Jesus meant when he said, do this in remembrance of me. For us, it's a meal of bread and wine. When the people of God in the Old Testament shared the Passover and up until the time of Jesus, and in fact Jewish people still do today, they had bitter herbs that reminded them of the bitterness of slavery. They ate lamb, reminding them of the lamb that was sacrificed. They drank wine, reminding them of the blood of that lamb that was put on the outside of their houses in order that they should be safe. And they had unleavened bread, reminding them that they were in a hurry and there was no time for the yeast and to allow the bread to rise because they were on an adventure, going into freedom and to a promised land. And all of those things, and when we take the bread and wine, we are remembering. We're remembering that he himself, as we read in 1 Peter 2, 24, bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we've been healed. We remember with thanksgiving all that Jesus went through. And the physical bread and the wine gives us the opportunity to remember again with tangible elements what God has done for us through sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. It's a remembrance. The third thing that we find in these verses in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 is it's a celebration of the new covenant. 1 Corinthians, the next verse, uh, verse 25, 1 Corinthians 11. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup of the new covenant in my, uh, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying, when he picked up the cup, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Now, they were familiar with a covenant, an old covenant given by God on Mount Sinai, which was full of rules and regulations that they didn't have the power to keep. But Jesus is now saying, this is the bringing in the ratification of a new covenant that I'm bringing. Now, they were very familiar with what that new covenant was. Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah had actually foretold of this. And the writer to the Hebrews, commentating on those verses in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, says this in Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. The covenant that Jesus brought to us, this new covenant, is a covenant that has brought inner transformation. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. 
Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There is a new transformation. We are alive in Christ. He has transformed us on the inside. Now his, his word is written in our hearts and our minds. Uh, now we have been changed. This is what Jesus instituted, what he brought about through his death and the shedding of his blood on the cross. And he said, every time you drink this wine, remember, uh, wine, remember this. But even more than that, it's not just an inner transformation. It's a complete and utter forgiveness of every wrong, of deed, of thought, of word, of motivation that we will have ever done, past, present and future. And it's a forgiveness of all of that. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. What a covenant that we've got that we celebrate when we share the bread and wine. And it's a reminder of that covenant uh, that we will be sharing uh, in, in uh, a short while uh, as we uh, just move on into that in a moment. And then the fourth thing we read in this passage uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 26, the next verse is anticipation. It's looking forward. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as well as all the things that I've mentioned, we're also saying we're going to keep doing this be devoted to doing this together with others who know and love Jesus, whether it's on a setting like this or in a community group or in our homes, wherever we're able to share the bread and wine. But there's a day when we're not going to do it any longer. And it's when Jesus comes again. Jesus is returning. And when we look forward to that, we're anticipating the full coming of the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. We're anticipating the end of all evil. We're anticipating the end of the story. We're anticipating the coming in of a new heaven and a new earth. We're anticipating the resurrection bodies that we will then have. We're anticipating eternity where we will see Jesus face to face. We will live in the light of his glory. And even our faces will shine as bright as the sun. And when we've been there 10,000 years, we'll have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. We're anticipating all of this. And when we take the bread and the wine... We're recognizing that the cross and the resurrection of Christ is the pivotal moment in history that changed everything. Not just for now, but for the whole of eternity. And we are participating in that. We've been brought into this. We've been brought into the promises. We've been brought into the life. And we're included in the future when we give our lives to Christ. Isn't it wonderful? And then the fifth thing that we read in these particular verses about communion that Paul teaches is a sobering one. And it's examination. So in verses 27 to 29. So when whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now the word examine used here is the same word that was used typically in that day when Paul was writing of what you would do when you test metals, for example. 
Is the testing, uh, is this pure, is, it, is this metal uh, what we think it is? It's like when the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. To be casual with sin, but religiously taking the bread and wine in the light of all its significance is to not discern why Jesus gave up his body to death on the cross. And also, it is not to discern the impact of my sin on others within the body of Christ, the church family that I'm a part of. But the good news is in 1 John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. And we're all aware that we are flawed, that we're broken, that there's so much that we regularly have to come to God and say, Lord, I'm really sorry about this. But the good news is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness because of the cross. It's because of his death for us. It's because his body was broken and his blood was shed that we can come freely again and again. But taking communion gives us opportunity to be real with God. To whom I'm accountable for he is Lord. To be real and to actually say, Lord, I'm really sorry about this. Keep me on track. Give me the strength not to live that way again. I receive your forgiveness as I take the bread and wine. It's an important thing, friends. Because our deep desire, and we sing it in so many of the lyrics that we worship with so often, that we're all out for him. And we're seeking to live a life that glorifies him. And we're all aware that we come short. But we have opportunity again and again, including when we take communion, to examine ourselves and to come before him afresh, lining up our lives with that which he died to give us. So... If the band could come back, and we're going to take communion in just a moment. When we gather to share communion, it involves these five things that we've seen in these verses. Now, there are other things as well, but these are some of the main things. It involves participation with Christ. Let's do that, and with one another. It involves remembrance. There was an old song, Were You There When when They Crucified the Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. We're coming to the foot of the cross again. Remembering the facts as we read them in Scripture. We're remembering what Jesus has done for us. It's a celebration of the new covenant. That we have been transformed from the inside. And now our sins are forgiven. It's a celebration of that new covenant covenant that uh, I've just mentioned is an anticipation that Jesus is coming again and I've been called according to his purpose to the very end and beyond and also let's examine ourselves even as we worship him now and ensure that we're living in a way that pleases him by his grace and his mercy. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.